buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. All right, what is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode, and I've got a treat for you today. I'm going to be talking with Justin Michael, who likes to think of himself as a sales futurist, and we're going to learn why. He is the founder of SalesBorgs. You can check that out at salesborgs.ai. Justin, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, just living the dream out here in Santa Barbara, California. I like to say the life of a Don Henley lyric. And uh, no complaints. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So tell people just so we have a little bit of context, the short version, how you got into sales, and then we're going to take it from there. Yeah. So I've been in sales for 20 years. Uh, I'm 40. 40 is the new 30. Uh, <laughs> I've been selling <laughs> I'm about to be 41, and I've sold just about everything you can imagine. I've been in software for the past 13 years. I got a lucky break and got to work for Sean Parker, who's well-known in uh, The Social Dilemma. He was uh, part of Napster. He introduced Mark Zuckerberg to Peter Thiel. I worked in a company called Causes.com. We did a lot of nonprofit activism and fundraising. And from there, I went to Salesforce and LinkedIn, a dozen startups, and I consulted another hundred. And really what I specialized in was cracking the top of the funnel, basically mm. getting meetings, opening opportunities, driving revenue, calling strangers and getting them to meet with us and getting them to look at the product. That may seem easy, and there's millions of people who do sales development, like SDRs it's called, uh, but it's actually become so hard Opening is the new closing. There's actually a famous speaker now. His name's Chris Voss. You've all seen Never Split the Difference. Yeah. Um, he's an FBI hostage negotiator. Now, I love learning from an FBI hostage negotiator, but how hard is our business that to get meetings, we need FBI tips, right? So there's also this thing I have that's silly. It's like, can I simplify this for people? Mm. Can I make easier to send a thousand emails and get 10 meetings or to pick up the phone and dial a hundred people and, you know, get 10 people to meet. That's been the thrust. Now and cracking calls. And, uh, I've come up with some new systems with neuroscience to do it. I have my own consultancy worldwide called Justin Michael consulting. And then I have a group called Salesborg, which is seller and cyborg. And it's a digital dojo. It's a discord server which is traditionally for gaming. It holds 550,000 people. I have 500 people. I'm working on it. <laughs> and uh, people go in there and they tear down each other's emails and they listen to each other's cold calls. I do live cold calling in there. 
improve out my systems on a daily basis usually. And it's been a whole lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. So many good things to talk about. All right. So let's start with top of funnel. You know, typically the hardest thing for, for a lot of sellers is that top of funnel. Now, talk to, talk to us a little bit about the tactical stuff that you've picked up from Chris Voss that you're implementing and teaching folks. Yes. So definitely Chris Voss is an influence. Josh Braun is an influence. Beck Holland is an influence. There's a lot of systems that are out on the market. Um, for me, I have found that email communication is actually visual. One visual in an email processes 60,000 times faster in the brain. Mm. So it's very strange that in digital communication, we send um, symbols. And I also understand it because if you send pictures on the first email, you get into the spam catch. It goes right to the spam folder. But there's ways now with automation, with systems like Outreach and SalesLoft and Zant and Groove to pre-program your email. So the first email can be really short. Yep. And then the second or third could be the image. Another very strange thing I've seen is people are doing three paragraph emails. All the systems have these big emails. But the problem is WhatsApp, Twitter, TikTok, Snap, Facebook Messenger, text messaging, every other platform where you contact people you trust is short form. Yes. Even on LinkedIn, little short messages. We're getting automation on LinkedIn now. We're seeing these long paragraphs and everybody deletes it. It's horrible. So what I first said is, let's look at short uh, communication. So Jeremy Donovan, who's the SVP of strategy at SalesLoft, tested 6 million emails and said, okay, you want your subject line to be three words and your the, the body of an email to be 250 words. That made sense to me. But if you look at your brain, it takes about 3.3 seconds to read three sentences. It takes 13 seconds to really read three paragraphs. So people who are working at a pace where they don't have time to adjust that they're going to start, they're going to blow it off for later. I find it's more respectful to have a hyper short text message looking email. Yeah. Open rates go way up. And then if you can get visuals, there's more data that's processed, processed the right type of uh, visuals. And then I also challenge this myth about all this need for personalization. And I go back and talk to someone like Aaron Ross and Predictable Revenue. He goes, yeah, over 20% is creepy, 80-20 rule. Where I look at the Jer Jeremy Donovan uh, scientific discoveries and over 20% is just not necessary for an increase in performance. And so where I go with that is I'm really teaching people to be relevant to the business pain that you solve. Someone's sitting at work, they have a challenge, they have a problem, you send this really short message that solves the problem and they feel respected and they have time. They see it in three seconds and they make a decision and they either answer or refer. And so uh, people are having seven times the success rate as a, as the prevailing email methods using my tactics. Yeah. I, um, I know, I know for sure that the shorter copy works because we've tested this ourselves and we found that not even just short, but even more casual as well. So more casual, more personable, like almost like you're text messaging a friend and keeping it that short and that personable has a, a, a much better response rate than just spitting features and benefits in three paragraphs. So you've proven that empirically. Empiricism is just doing the experiments yourself and having control. So I've proven this over millions of emails because I work for a company called Outbound Works with the co-founder of Datanize, Ben Sardella, and we sent millions of emails and we experimented with personalization and subject lines and lengths demographic, psychographic, firmographic, we tested all of it. And it was eerie. I had chills when I read, I think it's chapter seven of leading sales development by Jeremy Donovan. And he goes through the statistics and every single one I'd seen, almost every single one, he was perfectly aligned because 
you drop an apple, it hits the ground. I mean, the truth is the truth on human communication. Our brains have not changed at all in 10 or 20 years. It's always like modern buyer, modern method. The neuroscience is the same. So now we move over to the phone. Now with phones, if you make 100 dials in the enterprise, you get five executive assistants. There's really no contact rate. So I use parallel assisted dialers from Connect and Cell. Um, basically, I'm able to dial you know multiple numbers at a time, yep. connect every 41 attempts. I talk to, you know, in in two hours of calling or even an hour of calling, I talk to 10 people, get a few referrals, a few meetings. It's like breaking the sound barrier. What do I do on the calls? Well, calling is all about these scripts and rebuttals and handling brush-offs. Well, all the calls are you interrupt and you say, you don't know me or the reason for my call. You talk about yourself. I've flipped that. So I'm getting high contact rates when I get someone on the phone. It's my tone. Just how now email is not the words, it's visual. Phone is not what we say, it's how we say it, it's tone. But then it's about power shifts. So what I do is I get the prospects to talk first. It's radical. I don't pitch. I don't even say why I'm calling. I first figure out so what give they're me, Give us an of. example of that, right? So you make it about them, not you, which, yep. is, which is huge because people are not doing that. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know why they're not doing that, but they're not. So... For all the sales hustlers out there listening that maybe need some help in this area, give me an example. You, you, you're using the dialer. You get somebody on. How are you getting them to talk? How are you making it about them? And what are some tips for people out there so that they can start doing this too? Okay. So first, it was impossible. You call someone and you try thousands of tries to get them to talk. And they go, what is this about? Who are you? Where are you calling? And they flip it back to you, flip it back to you, flip it back to you. I found a Jedi mind trick. I found this thing called route, ruin, multiply. I call the VP of IT and I say, who's in charge of your IT? And they say, I am. And the minute they assume the power, mm. what they control, they forget you're a cold caller. Mm. Now you can be nuanced. Who's in charge of your IT security or who's in charge of your IT fraud analytics or some piece of IT? And then you just sound slicker and they say, oh, it's not me. It's Susan. Okay. Can I ping Susan and mention your name? Sure. You get routed. So that's the route. I said, route, ruin, multiply. I call them and go, okay, I'm in charge of IT. What do you do? Well, I have an IT solution too. I just want to make sure you're in charge of it. We don't need you. We're not interested. We do it already. We use Acme Corp. Oh, Acme Corp's great. How's that working out for you? I wait. And I don't know. Someone said this is like a Dr. Phil question. So maybe I took it from Dr. Phil, which is hilarious. But if you sit and ask the question, validate what they have, and then ask how it's going and pause, that question made me millions of dollars. Yeah. What they'll do is it's like asking someone, are you happy? Would you like to make more money? Would you like to be fitter? You, you validate and make them right. Imagine you interrupt someone. You ask them about where they're powerful, and then you interview them. You start talking about how like, they inherited the solution. You start making them right. You start agreeing with them about the vendor they bought, the situation they inherited. Tell me more. Well, this religion is here what they said. They say, oh, yeah, we use Acme Corp. It is great. You know, the service sucks. Wait, what do you do again? Mm. Or, you know, I can't, I can't integrate it, but it was a legacy pricing. It was amazing. Wait, what do you do again? And the polarity shifts because you've let them talk first and you've waited and delayed gratification. So people listen to my cold calls every day and it's like, I'll be on for eight minutes, nine minutes, 11 minutes. They'll tell me their life story, their cancer treatments, their multiple companies they started. They go on and on and on and on. I'm just waiting for this, this happy moment where they say, what do you do again? The minute they give you permission to pitch, game over. So it's route, that's the ruin, and then multiply. And usually what I say is keep the solution. Yeah. Plug us let's, in anyway. All right, so let's pick this apart a little bit. So if they don't ask, yeah. 
I just want to give people, there's some different paths, right? So if we start from the top, right? Sure. And, 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 and you ask them who's in charge of it. And then I'm guessing, you know, some people will say I am other people might say, yeah. why are you asking? Why does that matter? Or, you know, they might give you yeah. a little pushback. So let's talk about how we overcome that. So they say, you know, why, I mean, I am, or, or why are you asking? And that's where I show a little product knowledge. And I say, you know, normally IT is broken into three or four different areas. And I just want to make sure that you're in charge of the IT security piece. Yes, I am. They reconfirm. Okay. And then I, I'll ask, you know, how are you, how are you currently doing that? But they usually, they usually say, Oh, like we've already got that covered. We did that internally. We use a competitor. Like by that point, when you really hone in on what they're in charge of, they say, well, what do you do? I have IT stuff too, but I want to make sure it's relevant to the right person there. And that's where they relay, you know, a hundred times. Like everybody's a no. Everybody's, we're in an age of commodity class. Everybody has an incurrent uh, vendor. It's often do nothing. The status quo is something they built technically, something they have. How many people, how many people do you know or have you seen actually give up? And they don't dig deeper when they say, oh, we already have that covered or we already have somebody or we're already using this person, right? Because almost every rep and they've, they've built an objection or a rebuttal or a brush off, which is more like a hook where they go, well, hey, I get it. You're not interested, but feel felt found other um, prospect I called. They weren't interested. Now our client, oh, you should be interested because we can save you 62 click. And they try yeah. to then hook and persuade and it won't work. The better thing to do if they say not interested is go. Oh, you built it internally. Can you coach me on how you build this internally just so I can make my solution better? Uh, you know, um, oh, that's interesting. You do an internal solution. That must have been hard to set up. Mm. How's that? Again, again, going back, making it about them. You're spotlighting them. You're trying to find any way to get them to open up and talk about even internal team. It does work. You can just see me do it. It's, it's, it's something called heuristics. It's not that you follow my script exactly. The fact is all you're concerned about is getting them to talk in the first part of it. Once they start talking about what they did and how they're right, they're opening up. They start disarming. And then I thought I call this vampire rule. They turn and they say, wait, what do you do? Or tell me about it. I've had people say, not interested. We do it internally. I listen to them all about how they do it. And they flip and they want to know what I do. Right. Right. right? So and then, basically, they're, you're waiting you're, you're, you're making it about them. You're spotlighting them. You're waiting for them to give you the invitation to pitch, basically. This, and you're not going to pitch. Are you that disciplined that you're not going to pitch until they ask you that? Never. I'll sit for 22 minutes. And it's just everything in human behavior. You, you, you can't go up to someone in a, in a bar, like on a date, and hit on them and expect them to be interested in you. The minute that they actually are interested, you can start talking about yourself. People love to buy. They hate to be sold. They, mm-hmm. they buy an emotion. They close on logic. It's literally like a vampire. In the legend, if a vampire is on your window sill, they can't come through the threshold until you invite them in. This is like lore and legend. So I'm waiting for the polarity shift. It's so weird because the minute they say, what do you do? I can literally cold pitch them and they'll be open. And then I don't. I use a multiplier effect. So if your solution can be sold in against the incumbent, I'll say, hey, keep what you got. Plug us in to multiply the effectiveness of Acme Corp. Now, a lot of you on the phone are going, well, it is a rip and replace. Well, that's just the pitch step. But here's what you've done. An ordinary cold call sounds like this. Hey, it's Justin. Oh, who's this? Oh, well, the reason for my call is we get a 40% increase on revenue for similar banks. Yep. Click, you're a seller. 
right? Or, you know, oh, this is, a, uh, this is a cold call. I know you hate getting cold calls. I hate making them. It's, you try to do something funny. No matter what you're doing is me, me, me. I'm the seller. Here's my product. Let me convince you. They recoil. They dig their heels in. You're selling me. They don't talk to you. They try to brush you off. And then all the systems try to handle all the brush off. I just flip it totally and put them in power like Aikido. Now, They're talking. Now that's that's a it's an interesting strategy because I understand it, right? Because people don't like change. Uh, and so if you're not pitching change right away, you're going to have a more meaningful conversation. But some might argue that what if whatever they sell or their solution is a rip and replace, it does require change. It doesn't work with whatever their current vendor is. How do you approach that? Um, yeah, so... Um, if they're not willing to change from their current vendor? Well, so you talked about you, you talked about like basically pitching initially as uh, your solution working alongside with what they have or in addition uh, to, not a rip and replace because ultimately people don't like change, right? Yeah. Which is why they're going to recoil, why they're going to dig their heels in, why they're going to push back if you're pitching them totally changing whatever's in place today to go with you. But you're basically saying that initially it's you know not a rip and replace or you don't go there right away in order to keep the conversation going, right? For me, it's really the steps is that you're routing, you're figuring out who's in charge of the thing and you're literally getting routed in the organization. Then it, the ruin step is you're letting them come up with their own reason to change them, convince you why they're right. That's how they start because of self-development. They'll reveal more and then the, the multiply if you can sell your service with what they have don't rip it out suggest make what you have stronger which is another aikido but if you have to rip it out you can at that point pitch but what you've done is you've delayed the pitching for a minute or two or five and you've waited until they were actually asking you to pitch them which is okay now it's like a totally nice thing you heard them out they told you how it's working they, and they took interest and the polarity shifted, the power shifted. And that's when you come in and then you are able to just set up the meeting or close for time. Now, I, I developed a system in 2007. It was so effective. I did 63 deals in three months. The former seller had been there for a year and did 12. It was so effective getting them to talk. I had to create a bit.ly link with a slide share. I started closing the deals on the first call. But that's impossible now in the modern enterprise because you have such consensus. But what does happen is at a certain point, you've heard them out, you've waited, they've come to you and revealed things about their current status. You've, you've then started to position how you might be able to make it more effective what they're already using, which is crazy. You validate, agree, and then bolster what they're doing. And then they're like, hey, let's do a call. Or when can you meet? They ask you for the meeting time. Mm. And then you just time on their calendar. So I demonstrate these calls. I had a, I had a rep that I trained in Australia. He was calling chief risk officers for publicly traded companies. He has outreach set up with these amazing sequences. He studied all the templates and he sent them all. He got opens and he got replies and these things. He started adding this phone technique in. He's booking three or four calls a day on his best days with chief risk officers using the route route and multiply. And before he was doing reason for my call or similar companies or going and you don't know me or all the prevailing scripts. And I actually recently saw a post where the, where the thought leader posted the top 40 openers and the same heuristics saw me, 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 none, none of it, mm. none of it flipped polarity. Ashley early has a polarity flip that is awesome. And I saw Josh Braun do something like this too. We kind of says, how's it going or explain it. So 
there's a couple people with them, the, the Chris Voss mirroring and trying to get them to talk in this hostage situation where, mm-hmm. if, and, and Scott Lee knows this too, like no one can change until they admit there's a problem. Mm, yes. It doesn't even yeah. matter if they have a busted car. They're going to keep that car as long as it runs until the day that it breaks down and they call you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now, I'm, 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 I, I understand that this takes an extreme amount of discipline because people are so quick to pitch, right? And it goes against what maybe they're being taught through leadership or what they've always done. So what can they do to just refrain themselves from pitching until that perfect moment when they have that permission to pitch? Yeah, so I guess the discipline is, is, is many things. One, if someone ever surfaces pain in a discovery call or on a phone, you can never just say, someone says, our service is bad. Oh, our service is great. It's spin selling prove this. You have to ask the next order of questions. Well, if you were to fix your service, what would be the impact on revenue? Right. Or if you don't, so the implication or need payoff, that's a need payoff. The implication is what if you don't fix it? So many, so, so many people just uncover the pain and don't go deep in the impact. It's a rookie move to spoon feed or bandage the wound the minute it opens because it's typically a symptom. Okay, well, the service is bad. Why? Oh, because their service department is based in Australia, and so it takes 24 hours for them to respond to a ticket. Okay, what happens if you don't get a ticket? Well, if I don't fix it, then I lose the ability to fix it for the client. I could have you know, a contract terminate. There's actually an SLA in place that if I don't have this thing running all the time, that I incur a financial fee. How does that impact revenue? My CFO gets mad. And the whole chain of events, the 16-car pileup, the order, you know, the untrained seller just says, we have better service and misses all that pain. Mm. And that all the bigger deal, bigger average contract value, all that, that comes from spin selling, any good questioning uh, framework, the Sandler pain funnel. I'm using all that when I'm peeling it, when they finally reveal pain. Um, you have to think about power shifts and polarity. And you have to think about this. Dale Carnegie said that the most beautiful sound of a prospect is their name. Now, if I nail their last name, you know, Someone's last name is like Michalowicz, and I say it perfectly. They're like, that's great. That was the first uh, light bulb that went off. I call them, and I'd say their name right, and they'd be really happy. And I was like, whoa, that's weird because mm. I just cold called five people who are angry. But when I say the full name and nail the last name, they're like, oh, yes, that is me because they all, they're like – They're so used to people butchering it. Yeah, if you so don't butcher their name. So say their full name, You know, even go and get a pronunciation guide on YouTube and nail their name. Yeah. Then you talk about yourself and they get irritated. They're just like, ah, I don't want to hear it. Call them, pronounce their name perfectly, and keep making them talk about themselves, things they can talk about, why they chose the solution, how they implemented the solution, how they use the solution that we all know is not that good, but they MacGyvered it. Like, yep, I got this job six months ago. I know I have dinosaur technologies, but you know what I did with it? Wow, you made dinosaur technologies? you know, go 60 miles an hour. That's amazing. So you, you validate them and make them right. What seller in the world will call a prospect to make them right about the other None. solution? Not very few, None. very few. Yeah. So, so most people are just quick to bash the solution that they have or go into some sort of scripted like, Oh, that's great. Many of our customers that had Acme company, you know, found this, this, and this. Does that resonate with you? Great. We're, we have a solution for that, right? So that's the more traditional path of using that, 
mirroring that, you know, talking about how people that used to be with them are now with you. And, and that's the typical path that most people go down. So you're challenging them to, you know, validate them, give them credit, you know, shine a light on them um, before just trying to put the, the Band-Aid on it. Yeah. So I've just, this technique's been amazing because you have to remember my first job, I was just making these calls all day when the phone worked and seven out of 10 executive directors would pick up and be like, I'm not interested. I already have a fundraising technology. Oh, we already do this. Oh, it's Bob and IT. No interest. All day getting hammered. I'm like, I'm just not good at sales. And then, oh, wait, wait. And I try to convince and try to put a phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I just get hung up on. And I even say the reason for my call and I get clicked out <clears throat> on these scripts. And so I was like, how am I going to get this person just to stay on the phone? So I'm like, I called him. I said, you know, is this John McGillicuddy? Oh, yes. Uh, who's this? Are you in charge of fundraising? Yes, I am. Interesting. How do you do it today with tech? Oh, well, we have these systems from BlackBot and we're doing this. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, tell me more about that. And then like, wait, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm with GiveZooks. I had this weird like fundraising thing. And then I would just say, keep that thing. Keep it. We're a fraction of the cost. Plug us in. Let us be a turbocharger, mm. right? So I'd get them talking, get them talking all about it. How, how is it? So, okay, what other reps try to do is they try to anticipate these things. They're like, oh, yeah, I've heard about Acme Corp. They have horrible service. This is not the goal. You don't want to say anything negative about their competitor, mm. about what they're doing. It's like parent and child. All you're trying to do is be like the supportive parent. Beck Holland kind of talks about this too. It's like, it's hard, man. People have 24 months in their job. They inherit all this garbage tech that they have to make it work. And they're only going to get promoted if they can get dinosaur tech to work. You can't come in there and tell them dinosaur tech's bad. Oh, yeah, we run into dinosaur tech a lot. Service is bad. You should come to us for better service. And, and, well, and, but even further, they might not have inherited it. They might have been the one that chose the tech that's totally crap in the bed. And to rip and replace that makes them look extremely bad. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, I think that I'm breaking ground by doing something that's radically different. Like a thousand people call you, they do this and I do this thing. So it's a pattern interrupt. My email systems are pattern interrupt. My call systems are pattern interrupt. Now, if everybody starts using this method, I'll do something else. Ironically, once my, you know, books and technologies take over and millions of people are doing it, I'll probably have to go back to a long form to stick out. But for now, it's, it's pretty radical and, it, and it's working great for people. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally could see how this could be extremely effective for people that are, that are not doing it this way. Um, and, and I love that, you know, you're talking about short copy because we've tested that ourselves and are seeing great success with that. Um, but what's, what's interesting is, is, is this cold count calling technique and, you know, just before we just wrap up, I want to let, you know, folks know where can they find out more about this? Where can they connect with you? All that good stuff. Yeah. So I'm at salesborgs.ai, like seller and cyborg salesborgs.ai or uh, Justin Michael on LinkedIn or Twitter, r slash salesborgs on Reddit. Um, you know, if you contact it me and mention this show i'll i'll give you all my guides for free i'll bring you into my community on the discord uh for free i just want to see you get results uh full disclosure i'm not a dark guru guru if all the reps are doing well their managers figure it out and want to hire me to train the team so that's how i make money ultimately is doing john barrow style uh sales training which is fine um i do some one-on-one stuff and classroom stuff if you're if really interesting i have a uh interested i have a course on kajabi that you could take 
and um, collaborating with a lot of people. So I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. We will include all that stuff in the show notes so that it's there for you, sales hustlers. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, write us a review, share with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. Take care. And thanks again, Justin. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.